You're listening to Farm to Tabor. We're on part two of a two-parter with Mike McGolden talking about biochar, economics, and how to get the sweet, sweet technology used. You said something about a circular economy. Yeah. And and we've been we've been very fortunate. We've had uh, we're doing a lot of work with EPA Region Three uh, people, which is. Basically, they're they're responsible for the the Chesapeake Bay region. Oh, okay. And 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 they've done a lot of work with us in in trying to 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 figure out how we can help uh, reduce the nutrient discharge going into the bay because it's mm. if not the most one of the most endangered watershed in, in this country. Right. Yeah. And and that's some of the people we're working with. That that's been. That's been their big mantra is is forming the, the circular economy. You know how do right. you how do you take different industries and put them all together in and one one industry helps the, the issues the other industry has and then when you put them all together and you're just going around and around a circle and you fixed everybody's problems. Boom. And and yeah. that's one of the things that these projects can do. Yeah, and I think like. Um in the Chesapeake, at least, they used to have runoff from all kinds of sources, but now it's primarily farm runoff. And so the real thing you need is just something to catch it all as it's heading towards a river. And it's 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 a little bit of everything. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's industrial. It's it's uh, well, the septic urban tanks. It is uh, it is farm. Uh, the the one thing that that we have found is when you look at what's the easiest thing to capture. Mm-hmm. Um. The, the agricultural is, is probably the cheapest and easiest to capture. When you start trying to, when you, when you start looking at a urban development and try to figure out how to capture stormwater runoff and, and clean that up, uh, that's an expensive process. It's right. very difficult to do, yeah. much more so than if I, if I take so many tons of manure and run through the gas fire, the amount of, uh, of nutrients that I stop from running in the bay is, is a, all of them. There's a huge number compared to, <laughs> to what what you would get if you were trying to do that same work with, with stormwater. Right. Exactly. Cool. Let's see. I had one more question for you. I know what it was. Um, so you mentioned you've done some test burns with various garbage sources. Like there was tires, there was plastic waste. How did that go? Well, we've we've been all over the board. We <laughs> we we run. Um, we just ran just straight garbage that had absolutely zero separation. Right. And you end up. Go? I mean, the, the the inerts go through. I mean, if if you've got a a can that comes in, it comes out as a can. <laughs> um, so you know the the char. If you're doing that, the char is not the mm. is not as good a quality char as what you would have if you did some sorting. Great. But we've got, uh, right now, we've got a a proposal in for a company in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for handling the food waste. Um, we've got a project in, in Georgia, and that's, that was their entire intention, was to, to make a, an engineered feedstock mm-hmm. to separate just the organics out to where you're getting food waste and, and cardboard and, and paper and, and you and then you recycle everything else. Mm-hmm. And you know when you look at where where does this world need to go to, I mean those types of projects become zero landfill projects. Right. 
I mean, you, you recycle the aluminum, you recycle the glass, you recycle uh, the, the metal. Yeah. Um, you end up with, you, you put a, a, a project in, and if you, if you put enough infrastructure in it, you know, nothing ends up going to a landfill. Right. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's degrees of doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put less expensive systems in and, and not do as much recycling. And if nothing else, you greatly reduce what's going into a landfill. Right. Because, you know, it's basically a couple of projects we've got are because they're, they're hauling to a landfill and a landfill's closing down. And so their opportunities or their alternatives have just become hugely expensive. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is well, we've even been approached by some countries in Southeast Asia that want to, that are talking about, mining their existing landfills. Yeah, I wondered when people were going to start doing that because it's like inevitable, right? We have so much stuff in there. I don't, I don't know that that's a project that really thrills me because that could be a real pain in the neck. Right. But How many bodies are you going to find? It, it just, yeah, it just shows you how expensive a land is in certain areas mm-hmm. and, and how, much, how much land we've we basically squandered by just filling up with garbage. Right. Yeah. So one of the things I really want to see happen, if you guys haven't already, and you may have, um, a lot of folks are panicking over how we're going to dispose of old clothes because like some of them, you just, you can't wear them anymore. Uh, Can't give them away full of holes. Um, But they're a mix of natural and uh, synthetic fibers. And they're like, you can't compost it. We can't recycle it. They're just building up. And especially with the rise of fast fashion, people are just buying and throwing away a lot more clothes. And they're like, what are we going to do? And I just think, I I wonder if char would be a great solution because it can handle the natural fibers and the synthetic fibers. And that's, boy, that's a feedstock that you could use. And and it's, you know, it's crazy as it sounds. The, 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 probably the only thing we have to have is they have to be shredded. Yeah, that's Cause, easy. Because they'll, I mean, they they can they can be real stringy and they can, from a material handling <laughs> standpoint, they can mess things up. But but no, that's not a that's not a difficult feedstock to do anything with. Yes. Um. It's yeah. Uh, we've we put just about everything you can think of through a gas fire, um, yeah. and a few things that I won't put again. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we we've done some testing that I that I wish I had done, but but you know the the whole point is, you know, how much of this material can you divert away from landfills? Right. How much of this material can you make into something that has value? And and in a lot of cases, can you just reduce the volume? Right. Uh, I mean, because you know, you take a lot of these, uh, whether it's food waste or it's biosolids or you know, sludge from processing plants, the, they are disposing of 80 to 90% water. Right. And, and so now you're, you're paying transportation to all water. Um, and in some areas, you know, that are, that are drought stricken, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically squandering water that, I mean, worst case, we put it, we can put it through a system and put a condenser on it and, and end up, recapturing the water. Ooh, I like it. It's because a lot of it will basically come off as steam when you uh, when you burn the, the gas that well, comes out. Well, what happens when we dry it, we'll, we'll dry oh, it yeah. down and you evaporate, you evaporate the water off and then you just have to cool it down enough and, yeah. and, and condense the water out and clean it up. Yeah. It's it's purely a function of, of 
of, of, of cost. Hmm. If, if, if water is, if water is extremely valuable in a certain region, then it's worth cleaning the water up and, and, and being able to reuse it. And in a lot of cases, you know, everybody, well, is it potable water? You know, is it drinkable? Well, in a lot of cases, if you can recapture the water and do nothing but, okay, we're, we're going to heat it up and use it for, for steam or for, for wash down water because we're using it to, to clean up, clean up a facility. Yeah. Then, then you're, you're avoiding using the water that is, it is drinkable. Right. For for other purposes, so yeah, it just that's probably the when when we look at projects, that's probably the biggest challenge that, that I have when when I look at one. Hmm. It's you know one it, first of it, it's a, if it's a feedstock when gasified, then you know that's the, the technical part is is not that complicated. Yeah. The, the the biggest piece is you have to look at a an opportunity as a whole. And how many different ways can you add value? And yeah. and so can you make it to where it's economically feasible? Right. Because regardless of regardless of how good we feel about if we do a project and it cleans up the air or it cleans up the water, at the end of the day, it's got to make money. Yeah, it it's got to money. It's not going to continue. Yeah, it's got to sustain so, itself. So you you gotta and and we. I may change my tune at some point in time, but <laughs> we look at every one of our projects as being able to stand on our own two feet. Right. Well, yeah, because grants we, come we and go. It, it, it subsidies and, and and credit programs, and because you can't count on them always being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, and, we, and we, yeah, we try to do the economics with, and that's why char is so valuable. If we you develop that market for the char. That's not a that's not a subsidized program. That is a I mean, you're on the open market making a product, and you just have have to establish a value for that product. Right. Yeah, and that's something I always try to emphasize with folks when I'm working with them is, you know, grants come and go, uh, you know, fads come and go, and so if you really want to do something that's going to change the world, it needs to be able to sustain itself. Don't be dependent on somebody having goodwill towards it because that goodwill is going to go away eventually. And, uh, and yeah. And- and one thing that people, and it's funny because we, we've had a lot of people go, okay, well, char's a fad. Mm-hmm. Well, not really. And, and they're going, well, you know, the prices, you know, as, as things go on and boy, you're going to get good prices here. And then if, when enough people make it, then that price is going to drop like a rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no. It adds value. So it's worth something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. If, if it adds value. If, if I can put it in a poultry house and I can show that the, the birds grow 5% more because we improved the environment by putting char in, mm-hmm. then that customer can run the numbers and say, this is how, many, this is how much that's worth to me by in, improving my yield. So this is, this, is what I, this is a number I can put to it. Yeah. And and this is a price that I can establish. There's no limit to to the market when you start looking at okay, if I'm using it for animal bedding, if I'm using it for uh, a soil amendment, if mm-hmm. I'm using it for heavy metal remediation. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you we're going to be able to put a lot of projects in and put a, many many thousands of tons of char out there right. and still have a viable market for it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's one of the coolest things about charcoal is or, you know, biochar 
I think when folks think about, you know, putting manure and compost on the soil, they're thinking nutrients and those are definitely there. But the big thing that those do is they, um, they change the texture. They make the soil hold more water because it doesn't matter how many nutrients are in the soil if there's no water for the plants to like suck them out with. Right. So that's really your number one thing is soil texture and soil water holding. And char is fantastic for that. And unlike manure and compost, it doesn't break down. So once you put five tons on your soil, you got five tons forever, right? Like that's, that's why the stuff in the Amazon is still there. Um, so that's, that's nice. And it's, and of course we're getting an education, you know, yeah. a couple of the guys that are, that are using the char are, and, and they're doing what they call precision ag. Oh. Um, they, okay, I'm, I'm going to put corn in a row when I put the seeds down well, they're putting an eight-inch strip of char in a row with the corn. Mm. So instead of instead of spreading it over acres of land, and and you may be improving the soil everywhere, but you're not getting the results that right. year for that crop. Right. You know, they are they are reducing the amount of char they need to use to still get the same benefits. Right. Yeah. You just band it where the corn is at. Yeah. And and because because the char is it's dry. It's easy to handle. It flows very easily. Mm-hmm. It's not like trying to spread manure. It's it's very easy to get equipment to, to spread it like that. Right. Yeah. It's so, not sticky and. Ugh. <laughs> so so it does. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things as as more it's like everything else. As more becomes available and you get it out to more and more people, uh, people are very innovative. They will they will figure out the best way to use it. Right. And in in, in a lot of cases, that's what we're doing. We're we get it out there and then we come back and say, Oh, well, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> we we can start telling everybody about that. Right. Um, so there's just, yeah, just so many different ways that it's, that it's beneficial. Yeah. That's so great. Oh, you know what? I want to hear about, you, you mentioned some things that you wish you hadn't tried to do a test fire on. Like what were those? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably, probably the dumbest thing we ever did was aluminum cans. Huh? Uh, we, we had a, we had a group. And and they came to one of our tests, and we were doing garbage. Yeah. And we and we had aluminum cans in the garbage. Mm-hmm. And they came out of the back end as absolutely completely clean aluminum. All right. All the writing and all the all the stuff on the outside of the can was gone. <laughs> Cleaned them for you. <laughs> yep. Well, the scrap prices for clean aluminum are multiples over what just aluminum cans are. Mm-hmm. So these guys are going, man, it's worth a lot of money if we hmm. can clean the aluminum. Right. Well, I guess otherwise, because the processing plant has to do that. Yep. Huh. So they're going, can you do that? Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, the first time we tried it, we just put the aluminum cans in. And and the goal was to take that that coating, that plastic and uh, whatever that coating is on the outside and gasify it. Right. So just like a solid and, load of nothing but aluminum cans. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And so put that in, and I found out what an aluminum smelter does. Okay. I'm I'm melted a stainless steel air pipe so fast to make your head swim. No. (laughs) So I said, well, that didn't work. So we, so I got the brilliant idea. We we put wood in the gas fire and got the reaction started and got it up to temperature, Mm -hmm. and then put in the aluminum cans over top of it and shut the air off. And quite honestly, I think we were doing pretty good. 
Um, and I think everything was doing what we were hoping to do. And, but as the temperature started dropping, we started adding a little bit of air and into the system. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we got to the tipping point and the aluminum started reacting and it ran away again. And <laughs> Did so, it catch so on I, fire? So I melted so I melted another stainless steel air pipe. Oh no! <laughs> so, so, I, so I decided that that was probably what I wanted to use. Right. Um, but we we started a facility in in Nebraska and with wet distiller's grain. Mm-hmm. And the first day, okay, now I've got wet material. Was that the place uh, with the, like the the fungicide or insecticide treated seed that went bad? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And and so we, you know, I said the first day, you know, give me sawdust or wood chips or something the first day so I can get heat to dry the material. And then once I've got some dry material, then the reaction just, just it's just a circular motion. Right. Well, we don't have any wood chips. We don't have any sawdust. We've got super sacks of cornstarch. Right, because it's Nebraska. Okay, so I said, okay. <laughs> well, first of all, cornstarch, it's, it's, it's a very, very fine white powder. Yeah. That, that runs like water. Mm-hmm. So, well, first when we tried to dump it in, it just ran everywhere. Oof. But then when we got it in the gas fire, I guess all the sugars, it, it just, it, it eventually came out and eventually made a, it made a char that almost looked like black marshmallows. Hmm. I mean, it was, it's a really, really light, light char. Huh. <laughs> um, but it just, uh, it, it just stacked up inside the gas fire. It just, it, it just took forever for it to move through. Huh. And that just didn't. Unlike anything I've ever seen, so we we made that we added that to the list of things we're not going to run. God, it's like getting a giant uh, mouthful of peanut butter. It sounds like almost. But, yeah, but <laughs> but you know we run. I mean, I, just last week we were running a test, and and I put tea in it because hmm. these guys had bags and bags of, of just powdered tea, like you'd put in a tea bag, hmm. and oh, it ran it ran wonderful. Hmm. So you know there's there's. And again, when you look at what do we have that are waste products? Yeah, you know you have you have facilities that have off spec material that they. I mean, we we run dog food, you know, which is a high energy feedstock. Right. You know, you have people that have you know these these processing plants that have a lot of waste that they have to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, and, that's such a huge thing in food manufacturing is sometimes you have a batch that goes bad or you had like a load of apples that were kind of bruised by the time they got somewhere and we got it what are you going to do with them? Yeah, and and and, the, and they all have some energy. Mm-hmm. It's just a function of how much moisture content is it? Do you do you need to blend it with something else to to give enough energy? Do you mm-hmm. you know, like I said we've got this one project with food waste that's and that's a very high moisture content material. Mm-hmm. And so either you blend it with something else that, that adds some energy and dries it out, or we're going to have to supplement the, the, the project with with natural gas or some other energy because they're just you just have a negative energy balance. Right. You're spending so much energy evaporating the water that it just you know can't feed or, itself. Or you, do, or you do some kind of mechanical separation. We've, we've got a project in the Netherlands with, with uh, swine manure. Mm. Well, swine manure is 95% water. Ugh. And and the, our customer, and it's his own technology, but he's got a technology that does the, the solid separation. 
Yeah. And he and he mechanically brings it down to eighty or sixty eight percent moisture. Right. And and then we've got a we've got a material that's got enough energy in it that we can we can dry it and gasify it with just the energy that's in the manure itself. Right. Well, and when you say mechanical separation, that basically means you just squeeze the water out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. He's got. He, he adds a polymer, <laughs> yeah. and and he's got a. And basically, what happens is you got a polymer and air bubbles, mm-hmm. and and it attaches to the solids, and they float up, and mm-hmm. then you scrape that off, and then he's got a belt press, and it just you just take two pieces of belt and a roller and just squish it. Nice. And squeeze the water out of it. <laughs> Right, and then and then he's got a reverse osmosis system on the back end. So mm-hmm. I get the solids, and then he cleans he cleans the water up, mm-hmm. um, and ends up with the majority of it is clean water, and the, and the the rest of it is a is a liquid that's high in nitrogen and, and potassium. Right. So he's so he's got a product that, that the farmers can put back on the fields. Right. Because it's people in the United States don't realize how the rest of the world is works. Yeah. I mean, in, in the Netherlands, it is against the law in the entire country to land apply mm-hmm. raw manure. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Be, because their phosphorus levels are already too high and they've got, I mean, they're, they're, they're limited. They, they've got no place to take it. Right. Well, and they, um, they do so much agriculture there that, you know, yeah. they kind of have to be really responsible with it. Yeah. yeah we, we've been spoiled. We've had, We've had so much land and so many places we could we could spread it. Yeah. Now we saturated our soils and now we have to do something different. Mm-hmm. And and you know whether you like it or not, there's a cost associated with with having to do that. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do with, with our projects is is find a a better alternative that that reduces that reduces that that alternative cost. So, you know, food is still going to be as cheap. You're still going to be able to buy eggs for the same cost per dozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But we're going to have a cleaner environment. And, right. and the, quite honestly, this is the key piece to that is the char. Right, yeah. You know, if, if we can get a, if we can establish a revenue stream from the char, then the char justifies the capital cost of the projects. Mm-hmm. And and enables a farmer to to still have the same revenue from the eggs or the meat or whatever, and and, and still make a profit. Right. Yeah. Just I think we don't really realize how much you know we say waste, but I don't. We talk a lot about food waste, but I don't think we realize like how much money we're throwing away with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, when you when when you start looking at industries and and. You know, again, people that aren't in, in those industries may not know. I mean, right now, the dairy industry in the United States is absolutely in the toilet. I mean, they're, the dairy industry is in real trouble. I'm glad it's not just me who says that. I'm like, it's obviously true. But if you say it out loud, the dairy people are like, how dare you? <laughs> I mean, there's, I'm, and I think, you know, there's a lot of maybe some of the risk adversity that, that we see in trying to put together projects is the fact that in the past there have been technology companies that weren't exactly honest. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times these guys have spent money and on technologies that didn't work. Mm-hmm. 
So now they are they are more risk adverse than they would have been had that not happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I, I feel like that's been one of the biggest issues in actually changing over the economy to something more environmentally appropriate is we've had and still have so f***ing many scammers out there. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and you know, that's good and bad from our standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, as, the, as biochar becomes more well-known and, and the interest gets there and we have we see more opportunities that also open up the, the floodgates for all the the, the developers mm-hmm. that, that see a chance to make a fast buck. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, which quite honestly makes our, makes our job 10 times more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, because yeah, yeah. if you know people, it's one thing, but you know, when, when you go meet a guy for the first time and, Hey, how do you establish credibility? Mm-hmm. And you know, the only way I know is you, know, you tell them what you're going to do, and then here, go visit some of our projects, go visit some of our customers. Right. You know, talk, and and you know, get you get credibility through them. Yeah. And and it's but you you know again now you have to start from. I we're, we're right now the one we just did when I was just over in Russia. That was that's our sixth. Yeah. Uh, with this design, and we've got another one that's being shipped over to Russia in January, and so we are. You know, we we had a we had a customer that that was his favorite saying. Everybody wants to be first to be second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, and uh, <laughs> that's not really true. Everybody wants to be first to be about fourth. Right. Yeah. Because even second or third, they're going well. You know, you may have hoodooed a few people. Yeah. But after it seemed like after we got had three or so running, then we quit. We we started avoiding the questions. Well, does this thing really run? Right. You know, they when you when you get enough of them on the ground, everybody said, "Well, it must run now." Now let's get down to how do we put a project together and that makes me money. Good. Yeah. And and, and so it you know you get rid of about three months of dancing back and forth and can just get straight to the point. Good, good. Yeah. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but I did some time in the aquaponics industry and, okay. uh, yeah, there was a couple good projects. There were like, you know, a couple actual engineers doing some actual stuff and so much shocking bullshit. So that was fun. Well, and, and it's, and it's funny because, you know, one of the guys that's working with us, um, on the vital force, Mm-hmm. Which was Scott's fertilizer for many years, yeah. and uh, just brilliant guy. Yeah. And and a couple of things we he's been playing around with is just taking the char and just pulverizing it, mm. and then basically making it into a black water. Yeah. So you know you can use it for drip irrigation, and you're and you're putting carbon and the nutrients mm-hmm. in when you're putting the water in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know whether whether people want to hear it or not. The, the evolution of the cannabis industry mm-hmm. is is going to be huge for char. Yeah, because you know I can go to I can go to a corn farmer, I can go to a row crop farmer, and say I can give you fifteen percent more yield, mm-hmm. and it's it may be worth three hundred dollars a ton to him. Yeah, if I go to a cannabis grower and I give you fifteen percent more yield, <laughs> man, oh man, he's going to make millions. Right. Yeah. So so it's you know and and and, and again it's very much. Uh, I use cannabis, but uh, fruits and vegetables. Yeah, the an increase in yield has a much higher value to them than it does to 
corn and soybeans and, and, and some other commodities. Right. So it's, it's, it's not only, you know, what does the char do and, and how much benefit does the char bring, right. but identifying which markets are really best for the char. Yeah. Like where you can really add value to somebody. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, and, you know, having said all that, you know, we've got projects that, that I, I don't need a higher value for the char. Right. I've got a I've got a tipping fee or I've got an energy use, so the the lower value markets we can still supply char and and have a project that makes money. Right. We've got we've got some projects that char is really the only revenue stream. Yeah. So we've got to get a decent price for the char in order to make the, make the numbers work. Right. And I think that's that's what you see with with a lot of these these guys that are that are doing wood projects. Mm-hmm. They have to have a pretty big number for the char yeah because their whole their whole system is based on on selling char i mean they got nothing else there's there's not anything else that they're that they're providing so it it makes the economics much more difficult yeah and environmentally i'm not too thrilled with the wood only systems because (laughs) you have to yeah you've got to set aside land and then like why not just burn garbage if you can burn garbage do that and and bits and pieces uh, yeah. I just submitted a proposal. We've got an opportunity in, in a town in California, and they want us to get rid of their. It, it's the biosolids from the wastewater treatment plant. Mm-hmm. It's the food waste from the town. It's uh, their urban wood waste, um, and they are surrounded by forest that's just got mountains and mountains of dead trees or mm-hmm. wood that's been cleaned up. And it's just sitting there ready to burn the town down. Yep. And and they're in a they're in a drought stricken area. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you look at well, why don't we have control burns? Mm-hmm. Well, how can you have you can't have too many control burns if you're in a, a drought yeah. ridden area. So you know they their options are pretty limited. Yeah. And and so in those cases. Um, Gas buying the wood is a value because you know, there's there's really it's not a cost it's not a cost to bring the wood in they're mm-hmm. not cutting trees down to, to make wood right. I mean we're, we're we're eliminating a fire hazard we're eliminating a problem right you actually and, have like wood you need to get rid of yeah so so there are there are cases where well the project I was just down in Georgia they just got hit with a hurricane. Yeah, I've been they driving got, through those got, areas. Yeah, there's so much stuff there still knocked over and nobody's been able yeah, to pick it up. Yeah, hundreds and hundreds of acres of these pecan trees. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is, is, is chip them up and, and bring them to the, and, and gas fire them and, and make a wood char. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're right. There are, there, are, there are cases where that makes sense. Yeah. The problem we have always had with guys that, okay, I want to do a wood project. Mm-hmm. If I've got a poultry farm, the chickens are going to poop every day. Mm-hmm. The barns are in the same location. So I've got a feedstock that's going to be there day in, day out. Mm-hmm. You get a guy that has a pile of wood and they say, oh, my God, I've got this mountain of wood. Well, I put a system in and it processes 50 tons a day. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you think you got a mountain of wood. Three days later, it's all gone. Right. Yep. And, and so you have to. 
you have to chase the feed stock because it's going to get farther and farther away from you. Right. And, you know, next thing you know, now you're you're hauling wood 10, 15 miles to get to the facility. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps getting farther and farther away every year. Yeah. You know, the, the good thing about the agricultural operations is, you know, those barns, that manure comes out of the same place year in, year out. So you've, you've got a system that, that the transportation is... It's either zero or very, very small, and it's going to stay there. Right, yeah. You're actually just burning the product. You're not spending all your time and money uh, just going out to get stuff to burn. Right. Now, now, if you can find, and, and we've had a couple of those opportunities, you know, if you're at a sawmill, mm-hmm. you know, where they are bringing that material in and making another product, yeah. and then the, their byproduct is what they're trying to get rid of, Yeah. then, then that makes sense. Um, but, but yeah, it's, but, you know, having said all that, you know, you go to the, the Georgia Pacifics and the warehousers and the guys that are back East and yeah. typically that, that waste product, they're going shipping the particle board plants or, you know, they've got a, they've got a value they're getting out of it. So you know, to send it to you, they're losing money because yeah. they've got, a, they've got another market for it. So, right. you know. There, there again, you've got to be, you've got to be very selective as to when those make sense and when they don't make sense. Right. Yeah. You just it helps to be able to take a variety of things and, and burn them just so you can be flexible and just use whatever works. Yeah. yeah and that's and that's one of the things that, that we bring to the table that that we think is extremely valuable because I can I can gas buy wood today tomorrow and then okay now I've got chicken manure. It's the same gas fire. I just you know I just run everything out of run all the wood out and run the chicken manure in or put the two together and then we you end up making a different quality char because you've got a, a mixture of the two right um it just it just opens up the opportunity so much for for what a what value a project can bring yeah no this is good um yeah i think like kind of some reality checks on like yeah this is a great technology but here's what we need to do to make it work and need to pay attention to is super useful so yeah, it's it's and again when when I saw your note, it's it's. I mean, I gotta get asked that every time. Mm-hmm. You know, explain to me. This thing sounds like it's too good to be true. If it's at that, if it's that great, why don't you have a thousand of these built? Right. And and you know that's because it's that's hard. Sometimes not an easy question to answer <laughs> because you know it, it. When you look at this, well, I mean, I've got, I've got a guy that. He came and looked at one of our facilities in 2013. He said, I can I can get you investment money. He said, this is so cool. Yeah. And five years later, he's still trying to get the first nickel of investment money in. <sighs> because because you know, everybody, oh, my God, if you just had an order for the char, mm-hmm. you know, if you just, and, and I'm going, you know, and, and we've had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Guys, if I had a large volume order for the char, mm-hmm. I don't need your investment money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and you're going to end up you're going to end up sitting on your hands because you're so wishing adverse yeah wishing until, you done until i'm going to stumble my way along without your money and then you're going to be on the outside looking in yeah such is and, the way and it's and it's you know it would be it would be nice to have that investment money but um you know the, there's a difference between the guys that are really serious investors mm-hmm. and, and, and the venture capitalists that are, that are, you know, been, have been watching Shark Tank and, 
think you can get 90% of a company for next to nothing and then and end up just making a fortune. Yeah, the Playboys. We're, we're a little past that, but it's... <laughs> And and you know, but you know, your 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 question is very good. If if we had if we had planned investment capital, mm-hmm. we would certainly accelerate the the market. Yeah, uh, I mean, because of the growth of the of the char market, from at least from our standpoint, is a function of money. Mm-hmm. You know how how many how many people can you put on the road and visiting greenhouses and farmers? And getting and how much can you put in trials and get immediate information mm-hmm. and, and data to show people and you know and we're doing all that but we're doing it probably at a much slower pace than we would if we had if we had enough money behind us to, to right. really grow and expand. Yeah, it's mostly and, a marketing investment, not a production investment. Yeah, yeah, and and when you look at oh, especially the, the I mean, while everything else is exciting, mm-hmm. if we can. If we can do heavy metal remediation and clean up soils and, and, and water systems with yeah. with using char, and not not only does that is that a more valuable use for the char, but you know you talk about what an impact to to the planet. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just, I mean, we we had a contingent from China come over a few years ago, mm-hmm. and and I mean when they were telling us. Probably stories they weren't supposed to tell us, <laughs> but 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 how much of how much of the country that was supposed to be growing rice that they were not allowed to grow rice because the the soil contamination was so atrocious that Ooh. they they couldn't grow crops yeah. and and how much of it was they were growing rice in certain regions and it could only be consumed by the people that lived in that region. Hmm. Because because their tolerance for those heavy metals was at a level where they could eat it and not get sick. And what? <laughs> well, wow. I mean, you know, it's just, and we don't, you know, we, we look at the, some of the issues we have, and we just don't realize that, that there are other parts of the world that that oh my god, it's just appalling. It's how, real different other places. Yeah, yeah. What, what human health is and yeah. and and how much people are suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to me there, again, that's a, what, what could we do with, what could we do if we ship char to Africa in, in regions where their soils are so poor and, and, yeah. and their, their land is so arid? Yeah, just hold some yeah. water, make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when, you, when you talk about how do we, how do we feed the world, oh. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not all about how much, how much can we, grain can we ship somewhere else? It's, you know, how much can we help them grow their own food. Yeah, it's like the world can feed the world. That's not the US breadbasket's yeah. job, you know. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and we and that's something that, you know, there again, you people talk about land apply manure mm-hmm. and you you put a truckload of manure and and haul it. There's only so many miles you can truck it before it just becomes horrifically expensive. Yeah. I can take a container load of char and ship it to China for hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. a ton. Yeah. Nice. And and it's and, and and now I've got the same nutrients in in one ton of char that you would have in in ten tons of manure. Mm-hmm. So so when you start figuring, you know, the um, the cost of, of being able to to do that, it's just incredible. Now, yeah. and, and one more thing, and I'm gonna let you go because I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. All this discussion we have had has been about cleaning up the environment. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and making use of the um, the manures and, and, and bringing value back to the farmers. But maybe the scariest of all this mm-hmm. is phosphorus. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, talk, we're talking about yeah, we're talking about the Chesapeake Bay and mm-hmm. Lake Erie and the Gulf of Mexico and all the dead zones and most of that's attributed to phosphorus. But what are we going to do fifty years from now when we don't have any phosphorus? Yeah, you noticed that too. Huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, and you know, and, and we are. I mean, right now we're we're mining rock phosphate just as fast as we can mine it in the United mm-hmm. States because there's a market for it. Great. When that runs out, I mean, since 70% of the of the world's known phosphate reserves are in Morocco mm-hmm. and 10% in China mm-hmm. and, and there's very little in the United States, mm-hmm. how are we going to grow crops without phosphorus? Right, and then uh, just, how are we going to feed animals without phosphorus? Yeah, and really quick uh, for for folks listening, like phosphorus, mostly whatever you eat or whatever an animal eats winds up in the poop. So when you throw away the poop, it's goodbye phosphorus. It's like a one way yeah. chain. So to be able to reuse that is very important. And and to be honest with you, there's at least the the char that we have made. There is a higher phosphorus content in biosolids than there is in chicken manure. Mm-hmm. So people, you know, oh my God, biosolids, that's human waste, how disgusting. You know. Yeah. Or you can kiss it goodbye. Those are your two options, right? Yeah. I mean when you when you cook it down to where it's nothing but minerals, mm-hmm. then you know, you you've eliminated all the disgusting parts. So now now let's get serious about hey, that's a, that's another source of phosphorus that we need to use. Well, there it is. Biochar is a great tool for addressing a lot of problems. Phosphorus, water treatment, trash in general, nutrient pollution, soil health, carbon sequestration. Biochar can get a lot of shit done, and it does it even better when you have equipment that ain't picky about what it makes that char out of. A huge thanks to Mike, that was so illuminating to get a first-hand look at how technology adoption works down in the trenches. If you like his stuff, go ahead and check them out at Coltec, they're based in Evansville, Indiana. This is Farm to Tabor. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and check out our Patreon for bonus content. Thanks for listening.